for me to uh, once again introduce Wamkasi for those who missed, who could not because of COVID attend all the sessions. Uh, Wamkasi was my former boss uh, at UXA and it was the most wonderful years to work under his covering and his, um, uh, his way of just pushing us into the things of God. So it is, I've been trying now for 10 years to get him here, but he's so busy. <laughs> so after 10 years, he's, he's here with us and it is such a privilege. I can tell you one story, that, uh, there's so many stories, but I'm going to tell the one and then he are, he's not allowed to tell any other stories. <laughs> In 96, we had, um, Uxa was 100 years old. And we had, some of you in this room were part of those festivals we had all over the country. In each region, we had about 3,000 kids over the weekend uh, for the camp, you know, a festival. Um, and uh, uh, some of us that were young, you know, it was kind of really high-tech, lasers, and we went all out. It was a big thing. But then there was a, a certain, in the program, we thought of how are we going to introduce Casino on the stage, because he's now the speaker. He can't just come up like a reverend Duomeni now. We had all these fun and lasers and things. So we scripted, some of you will still know that uh, song, Jesus Freak. I don't, I don't care if they call me a Jesus Freak, it's kind of the chorus. So. So there was this dance group. I don't know, I think were you part of that dance group? <laughs> but you know, there's now this cool, glamorous dance group that dance, I don't care if they call me a Jesus freak. And then this character will come in like an absolute nerd, you know, his hair like this and with his comb in his uh, socks and a big Bible and he, he kind of looks just out of place, completely out of place. Um, and because he needs now to be a Jesus freak uh, in the context of the school. And that role went to Cassie Carstens. <laughs> but what I didn't know one, one day, because at, in the, towards the end of those festivals we had a very sad accident. Our um, sound and uh, lightning engineers passed away and we were sitting there with 3,000 kids and uh, 100 plus service here for Christ students and you know we we were mourning we were we were asking the Lord for the presence of him and then I remember Omkasi praying and he and he started to cry and he said Lord even if you want me to be a Jesus freak on a stage, I will do it for you. I only then realized how hard it was for him every time. Um, and that's the Cassie that I knew that said anything for Jesus, for his kingdom. So Cassie, put that in us, the kingdom of Jesus. Yeah, for sure. Anything for Jesus. Um, it's just funny. I just want to make a correction on my introduction. And I won't tell anything about her because if I keep it uh, quiet, and uh, then you probably know that the mischievous one in this whole story is not me. <laughs> uh, 
but what I want to do in the in correcting and what they, they all say, you know, I had influence in Anna Marie and she had influence in others. It doesn't work like that, actually. It's, I, I don't know who influenced whom most. Because can you, you, you now believe that she influenced me more than I influenced her? And you are right. Because if you can get me to dance a Jesus freak, you have serious influence in my life. <laughs> so, uh, so it uh, was um, just sharing Christ was, was fantastic. And I learned so much. Uh, I, I always say in leadership, the leader learns probably more than anyone else. And um, because they force you to learn and to discover things. And praise God that I, God took me to environments where people trained me in leadership by, by just being with, being with me and trying to follow God and to be obedient to Him. Friends, it's a great privilege to be here. The only reason why she got me here is actually it's my holiday. Um, and um, so, so, uh, so we decided, okay, this is, we're not going to take this too serious uh, because we, it mustn't feel like work. Um, it must just feel like sharing more and so on. Uh, but, you know, um, it, it's a kind of great work to just spend time with God and asking Him what to share with you. And I would love to share a few things with you. What we are going to share is very subtle. This means that uh, it's not too obvious. So it's not, a, it's not one that you can just sleep and get the message. I'm sorry. I'm not here to impress anyone. Uh, I am here to, to share with you <clears throat> something that I do think I struggle with. Not I do think, I know I struggle with. Um, and maybe some of you struggle with this as well. But, but because it's so subtle, we don't see it in our lives. And then suddenly when you read a specific book or read something and then you realize, well, I'm not there. It's some, something is missing in my walk with God. And this is what happened, actually, because Anna Marie said to me on Sunday, uh, yesterday I had to talk about leadership, that comes easy. But on Sunday, you share what God has been saying to you lately. And so, this is, so this is like fresh. This is, not, this is not an old sermon. This is a whole new one. Uh, this is, because this is what God is speaking to me about. Now, God has been so faithful over the years. Um, one of the most heart-rendering experiences of my life was to get the report on Ravi Zacharias's secret life. Uh, it had just simply killed me because since I was in my mid-40s, I would definitely at least once a month, if not every week, listen to a sermon or a talk of Ravi Zacharias. He was like my hero, and I always said to God... I wish I could be like him, you know, I, no, no, not public like him, but, but just, well, he's clever, which I can't be like him, but, but just with that heart for God that he carries. It's not an intellectual exercise. I feel, I feel there's a heart for God that he carries. And, and then you hear things like this. And then you ask yourself, now, if that could happen with Ravi Zacharias and other people, uh, and I'm not going to name more names, but you, you, you would have it. And um, then it could happen with me. And it happened with him in the years between 64 and, and 74. I'm 66 now. So you're not secure in your walk with God until the end. Can I say that again? You're not secure in your walk with God until the end. And if you disagree theologically with me, come and talk to me afterwards. And we'll take the Bible and we'll run through it. From the one to the other to the other to the other. 
which says that those that think they stand must be careful that they don't fall. You understand? That's just one of thousands. Actually, the whole Bible is about that. Careful. If you are chosen, you are not secure. <laughs> Chosenness does not secure you. <laughs> Leading into this. Surrendering to your chosenness. Constantly. Consistently. That may uh, secure God uh, and your relationship. Maybe a, on a permanent basis. So since that happened, I'm, I'm praying like every week, if not every day, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Like David prayed. prayed the one that was a friend of God. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. I don't want to drift from God. And this is, if you talk about the fear of God, that's the fear of God in me. I do not want to drift from God. I know God since I opened my eyes. I think I got converted in my mother's womb. Because I love God since day one. And I led people to Jesus when I was a small boy. And it continued working on the streets and everywhere. And my, this is my life. I do not want to drift away from God. And the thing of this is, drifting away from God does not happen in one big occasion. That is, uh, rarely happens like that. It may happen, but generally, it's a subtle thing. It starts very subtly. Okay? And it starts in your ministry. <laughs> subtly. And this is what today is all about. Okay. Good. Let me pray. Father God, hold on to us. Father God, hold on to us. Lord, there are a thousand voices, there are a thousand uh, dynamics pulling us in all kinds of directions, wanting us to drift away from you, hanging on to our clothes, our heart, our mind, our everything in a desperate effort to pull us out of eternal life with God. Hold on to us, Lord. You are the Savior. We don't save ourselves. We are in this massive sea and the storm is enormous. And I just pray that you will not let us go to drown in this enormous storm. Hold on to us. Therefore, God, I pray that you will help us on a daily basis to be able to look into your eyes as you look into our eyes. So that we will not only follow you at a distance, not see your back only, not in a secondary way have a relationship with God through a pastor's sermon and a devotional wrote by someone else, written by someone else, but that we will have the direct relationship, that you will speak to us from your spirit and word on a daily basis so that we can say, I've had a fresh word from God today. And therefore, bless us this morning as we interact. And, and, and do things much more than the words that I'll be using because I feel extremely limited to share this. But come with your Holy Spirit and write this, the, the, the essence of this in our hearts, please, Lord. Deeply engrave it in us so that it will never leave us. Trust you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, we will not do it the general way of reading the Bible first, then exposition and so on. So I'll start the talk and then we will basically focus on three Bible passages as we go along. Is that okay? Are you okay with that? Or do you want the traditional way? Okay. okay. Do you know it's spiritual even if you don't do the traditional way? Okay. One of my disciples sent me a book. And um, you can put on the, the first slide if you are already at the back. The book uh, is written by Sky Jethani. And the, the name of the book is With. With. Just the one name. With. W-I-T-H. With. Sky Jethani. <clears throat> And in this book, he says that, that, that we could have different kinds of relationships with God. A relationship where you live for God, a relationship where you live from God, a relationship where you live over God, and a relationship where you live under God. So all of these people are people in a relationship with God. But the idea is actually to have a relationship with God. And then the book explains the difference between this, and I'm going to try as the first part of the sermon to explain the difference between this. A relationship for God. Now, I want you as, as we see it and as they get it up, they will, they will show it to you. I'm, I'm just carrying on and, and then they will follow, follow me there. I, I want, as I explain this, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you where um, there is the possibility of you drifting to that side. It was clear to me when I, wrote, uh, when I read the book that, that I, I might tend to drift to one of those sides from a relationship with God. And the key thing is in those that know me, they know that from, from actually uh, 97 particularly, I've been speaking a lot about calling. And that is a life for God. Is that right? A life for God. Where God instructs you and, and mission is kind of everything. We're on a mission. And I still do this uh, everywhere I go. You don't live for yourself. You live on God's mission. All of us are missionaries. I'm still shocked every time I'm in a church and say, can all the missionaries stand up please? And one or two people stand up. I'm, I'm always completely shocked with that. And especially when you have children because they should jump first because I'm a missionary in my school and so on. So I'm always shocked with the fact that people do not understand that all of us are uh, missionaries. And don't worry, these guys will carry on. And if it doesn't work, then it was not meant to work. It will still be okay. So, um, being on a, so, so the, one, the one way we can drift from God is where we live for God. And that becomes so dominant that you wake up in the morning and you think, what can I do for God today? And we should do more for God. And why is this world not changed? If we could only do more for God, you know, the for God, for God is so dominant in your relationship. Lord, what can I do for you today? You know, and that your prayers and everything is just so dominant because it is a life focused on mission for God. For God. Okay. And then there is a... a so, so the mission, let me just say, becomes more prominent than God himself. Okay, there it is. So life for God. Serving God becomes more important than God himself. Now, because I'm a, my mind is working strategically all the time, and when I see things, you know, I just think of, of the possibilities that do not exist. It, it just comes so naturally because this is my gifting. But then, then, then that can consume your relationship with God. You understand what I'm saying? So I, for instance, when I drove into Jeffrey's Bay, 
uh, my first thought is, how can this city be transformed? And then I met a few guys and I asked them, how many of you are here? And they, in about 40, uh, uh, in, well, mid 40s or midlife, they don't like the word midlife, so. Uh, touching 40 years old, and, and there are about 30 of these committed Christians, and I say, so, so when are you going to change the city, and how, how often do you gather in talking about that? Because that is just, and I'm, I'm shocked that they don't gather every week or every second week on that, uh, because this is life for God. You are not here for yourself. You're not here to grow children. Grow children is, uh, is by the way, amen, all mummies. Amen. By the way, okay, if you do not leave your father and mother and, say it, mommy, say it, children, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 40, 26. Okay. So, why do some mommies look at me like, get rid of this guy now? Well, I don't know. Life for God. That's the prominent thing. That is what the Bible says. Life for God. And so, so, but that can consume you so much that you can drift. And then the second one, and that is uh, life from God. Life from God. Wanting God's blessing and not God Himself. Um, so why do people go to church on Sunday? Why did people struggle in COVID time not going to church? It was the most glorious gift from God, COVID time, for the church. Not having Sunday services. I prayed for so many years. Lord, just please close the church on Sunday. That's killing your kingdom. Because it's making everyone passive. And the only hardworking guy is the pastor and the band. And the others don't take up the responsibility. Because they go for the blessing. Why do they always come at Christmas time? You think it's for Jesus. Why do the churches fill in Christmas time? But the only time of the year. <laughs> you think it's for cheap? No. Oh, how blessed it is to be amongst others celebrating Jesus. I feel so good because I'm so blessed. Uh, and I know this because I travel the world and I come in countries even worse than you with orthodox background where they just want me to bless them. So they actually come to me and just, they want to just touch, touch this holy man of God. So... You know, because touching and being with Him is just such an enormous blessing for their lives. It's a very subtle thing. Why do you read your Bible in the morning? Do you feel not blessed when you read the Bible in the morning? <laughs> so why do we go to church? Well, so how subtle can that be part of us? That actually we're searching God for what we get from God. It's actually consumerism. That's why people suffered, you know, because they did not have the supermarket called church on Sunday morning was not open. It was closed. You could not get anything there. You had to get it from God. If you did not run to the other supermarket, which is the internet. Church on the internet. Oh, no one guilty Gary Jeffries on this one. Okay. Life over God. Life over God. Life over God is... Now, obviously, in the extreme sense, it is like atheism, you, you don't need God anymore. But the other thing is that the principles of God, the good things to do in life, you've got to live, God, you've got to live for God by doing the right things. The principles of God is taken and you assimilate that in your life and you execute it and, and it's all by doing the right thing. 
But there's not that vibrant relationship with God. It's not a fresh breathing of God. It is, it is not walking with God. It is just doing what is right can take control of your life. And then the fourth thing is a life under God. Now, life under God is just another word for that is obedience. He says, I do. Now, now obviously, when you hear that, you say, what's wrong with that? Because obviously, this is very important. Obedience, this is the thing. Even, even God says, if you want to love me, obey my commands. And by that, you show that you love me. So the word is full of this. What is wrong with this? You see, you can obey God. You can, you can, you can live under His rule and instruction and kingship and everything like this without being close to God. Let me explain this, probably the last one, maybe uh, I, I feel to explain by your relationship with your parents at home. Uh, many of you must unfortunately say, I lived under my father at home, my biological father. I did not live with my father. I lived under my father at home. Remember that? Dad says, I do. I never had the feeling that dad wanted to be with me. I had the feeling that dad wanted to instruct me. Dad wanted to tell me what to do. But with me? Did dad ever come and play with me in the sand when I played with my cars in the sand? My game. Not dad's game. My game. Did he ever really take me when he golfed with his friends? Nah. I always felt like I would be a nuisance in the presence of dad if he was amongst his friends. So dad did not live with me. I lived under dad. You understand what I'm saying? And that same thing, because we derive our concept of God from our dads, the psychologists say, mostly, that could creep into our spiritual lives. Let me go back to something, which I didn't prepare to say, but I think I must say it here. The problem with not being able to live with God, and that is a massive problem in the modern day, is that uh, mommy was not so close to me because mommy could not get to work sooner. She had to stay with me, so to breastfeed me for a couple of weeks, but then she had to get out to work because mommy was not with me. I could not experience that eye to eye because mommy was always busy with things, not with me. Even if she was busy with me, she was busy with things like drying me, cleaning me, feeding me. But it was not me. It was not enjoying me, looking in my eyes, talking my language. It was not that. She just wanted to get done with that, being with me so that she can do for me certain things. So I lack intimacy in my life. And that, trans that transmits very easily to your relationship with God. And that's why some people like that, they just simply struggle to pray. They can work for God. Give them something to do for God. They can do it all the time. Tell them to prepare a bazaar for the bazaar. They can bake the whole day for God. But don't tell them to come to a prayer meeting where you'll pray for four hours. Because they just cannot be intimate with God for such a long time. You understand what we're saying? That is what the book is all about. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to go with too much detail on that 
Um, I want you to take two slides on. Yeah, that one there. And identity. So the, the one sees himself more as a servant. I'm a servant of God. And obviously we talk about that servant leadership and all of that all the time. And you should. But if you just see yourself as a servant with God, then obviously you live for God. He gives the instructions. You live for God. You're not with God. Moving with God. Now the problem with being a servant is you can get acquainted with working for God, but your timing will be out. You will do good things for God at the wrong time. You, you understand that? I serve God. But you do something for, it's like for God that you shouldn't do at that time. It's like someone coming to clean your house and they, they, because they're used to cleaning the floor, washing the dishes, doing the ironing. But, but if they would just listen to you, be with you, today you needed them to wash the windows, not the floor. But they were not with you. So my concern as I travel this world is that Christians do not know what is in God's heart. Because they're not living with God. They're living for God. So they all do great things. But at the wrong time. This time is a very unique time. What is the most urgent thing in this time that we are living in now? Do you know this? Have you talked with God? Do you work with Him? You know, I spend time with many people, and I have two friends that I, um, Francois Foster and Benny Mostert, that we have a meeting every month for an hour. And, and, and the only reason for that meeting is nothing to achieve, but just saying what God is ministering to us now. And sharing this with us. And all of the people that are really walking with God, they say one thing now. We need revival. Tell them. About Jesus that you will hear if you walk with God so if you are involved in other things maybe you're a great servant but maybe you're not working walking with God because your timing is out this is needed now and if it doesn't happen this world is tumbling over the cliff in a massive speed revival is what we need and you must be an angel of that when you walk with God for instance the next one is a consumer. I already mentioned that. Demand things, and therefore the prayer life is, Lord, can you help us today? And be with my children. Please, Lord, please, Lord, show me your calling for my life. Please, please, I can't live with it. But you've never said, God, show me you. And if I know you, and I embrace you, then I know your heart will beat in my heart. And I'll be beat in a specific way in my heart. And that will lead me into what I have to do for you. But I want to be with your heart. Or I'm a manager. This is the one that, that knows the principles, know what is right, know what is wrong. And tries to get the word, just, just get life more effective. <laughs> now, mostly, we are mostly white. Wow. There are some good color at the back as well. Lady friend there in the back, I'm so glad you're not white. Uh, God took me out of the oven too early. Um, and I wanted him to keep me there longer. But in any case, we're mostly white. And, and the, the, the mantra for white South African, Caucasian South African is what? Efficiency! Is that right? That's the mantra for Caucasian people. This is my, my German and, and Dutch background. Efficiency, man. I want things to happen in the right way, fast. Why do we struggle so much? Is that right? Mm -hmm. 
And that can so easily just transmit to your spiritual life. If only we can be more effective. So last year I got COVID myself and so obviously and not very serious, but serious enough to think that maybe tomorrow if it takes on another level, um, then I may be done and this may be the last week on planet Earth. And, and what is the first thing you're thinking about? What have I not finished? And God said to me, why is it concerned to finish everything, man? You don't have to finish everything. I'm God. I'm the beginning and the end. You're not the end. You're just not the end. So be with me. And desire me. Desire eternity with me. Even dare to ask me, can't you just take me to be with you, Lord? It would be great. Much greater than here when we try to finish things. You understand? That's that one. It's so subtle. And then the last one there, I'm a sinner. So I'm a sinner, which means that I, I have to do, you know, I deserve God's wrath and punishment, uh, who must appease His world through strict obedience. So to keep God happy, I must obey Him, because I'm such a sinner. So I must just obey God, and then He will be happier. You, you understand that last one? And that we find our Christian identity in this as well. Let, let, let's take one more on control, and, and I'll have to be quick, otherwise we'll run out. Time, which is always my biggest enemy. Okay, let's see this. Okay, now, so a summary. Life for God sees a divine mission at the core of things. Life from God places the self with its desires at the same. Life over God says that principles are at the core, and life under God believes that divine will or obedience is at the center. You, you see the difference here. And I want you to really spend more time and ask God, how has this dominated the real one, which is life with God? So let's get to life with God. Now before we get there, where do we get this in the Bible, you could say? This is nice that, we, that someone wrote a great book on this, but where do we get it in the Bible? Now, he forces us a little bit, I think, but is close enough that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 I think uh, shows this to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because it says the following. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. So this is life from God. He has given me tongues. He has given me the, the ability, the talent to, to do great things. So if I'm a great preacher, a great prophet, or whatever, and, uh, and, and I've got all these gifts, and I speak in tongues, tongues, even in my relationship with God, so, so there's a clear evidence that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and so on. But I do not have love. It says, I do not have love. I am only a resounding gong. Or a clanging symbol. Can you see that? A great thing in my relationship with God, but it's a resounding gong. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, that's life over God. So the principle, I understand how things work. You understand that? If I understand how things work in life with God as well, if I am the brilliant theologian figuring out God, and knowing how He works and so on, 
And if I have, um, <clears throat> yeah, gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, that is life over God. And then it comes to life under God. And if I have faith that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. Life under God. God says, do this. And I have the faith that God will do this through me. But I have no love. Because love is life with God. Then I'm nothing. And it, uh, but do not have love. I am nothing, it says. Not I have nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. Um, and if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that's the servant. Can you see that? That's a servant. That's a life for God. That's a servant. I serve God my whole life. <laughs> there are even people in ministry, they've been in ministry, and now I'm retired. For oh, my word. Seriously. I serve God my whole life. Now it's me time. Now I retire. Wow. So you walked out on God? Really? How's that possible? So I serve so much that I can boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. Can you see that? Because love is a walk with God. Right. Now, when you read in John, um, we're going to read the next two from John. When you read in the epistle of John, he says a most amazing thing. Read it in John, 1 John 4, for instance. God in us and us in God. The most astounding statement for me in the Bible. God in us and us in God. So as I'm pondering on what is a life with God, the first thing that comes to mind, it is a life where God is in you and you are in God. It's a life of intimacy and closeness. So how does that life look like? <clears throat> I want to demonstrate this to you today because this was actually demonstrated to me by an Orthodox priest in the middle of the desert in Egypt. And I'm praying as I demonstrate this very simple metaphor to you that God will minister to your heart. But I want you to watch this very closely. I guess that most people's relationship with God is a relationship where they definitely want something from God. They can't live without it. They even say, my cup is not full. I need more, more and more so that God can fill me so that I can carry on in life and live life fully. I need more of God. They even say that. So they take from God, they read their Bible, and then they go and they execute. But there is a big difference between, there's a big difference between being filled with God than being in God. Many other people, they, and specifically theologians, they say, I find my security in the fact that God saved me. So God is in me. And He filled me with His Holy Spirit. So God is in me and I can carry on. And that's my security. Listen to this. That I will go to heaven one day because God is in me. Now friends, this is the first time that I ever say this to any audience. Listen carefully. 
I do believe you are not secure with only God in you. You are only secure if God is in you and you are in God. I'm going to say it once again. I believe you are not secure in your walk with God if God is in you. I believe what the Bible says, if you really digest the Bible and saturate yourself with the Bible, it says you are only secure if God is in you. Up to that point, it's fine. But that also you are in God. You see, for the rest of my life, I don't want God to be in me only. Because God will be in me all the time, obviously. I've learned from God since I can remember. More than anyone else, I've been to church and all the other places, spent time with the Word of God and so on and so on. God is in me. But there's another question. Are you in God? And that is the life of a person with God. What is the difference? Let me try and explain. Now I'm going to move away quite much, a lot away from my text a little bit. Let me try and explain it with, with, with something that you may understand. If you, have, if you have had the experience of intimacy with someone on planet Earth, real intimacy, many people are married, but they are not really intimate. They may be sexually intimate, but not emotionally intimate, or spiritually intimate, and then they are half intimate. They are partly intimate, but they are not completely intimate. So the emotional life and the spiritual life is not intimate. And that's why they have sex, and that's why so many women feel that those, that sex is rape. It's not, it's not intimacy. Uh, so emotionally and spiritually, socially and physically intimate with someone. That, that, that's, that's a whole new dimension. Actually, so many people struggle with that because they do not have that intimacy from the mother. And the mother is the one that imparts that intimacy. And please come for the training if you don't know what we're talking about. And then you'll understand. I actually see people sometimes in ministry that cannot come close. I talk to them, but they cannot look in my eyes and stay with that for a while. They cannot come and give me a hug. Everything is at a distance. And long distance. they cannot come emotionally close to anyone. And that comes from mother. Now that is sometimes translated very directly with your relationship with God. So you can't come close. Close. Intimacy, I discovered, and that's why I also made that remark for who influenced me. Did I influence you or did you influence me? Because in a real relationship, this thing goes both ways. Um, I'm speaking to you here. Don't ever think, dare to think, that this is Cassie Carstens. My real name is Kasparis Carstens, so let's stay with that one. That this is Kasparis Carstens speaking to you. This is probably, hopefully, it's about 5% of Kasparis Carstens speaking to you. The rest is influenced by other people. Here within me is not only Paul and Daniel and Joseph and those guys. And Abraham and, and, and so on. And John. John, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, no, no, no. It, it, Jesus also, you know, yeah. Uh, but here, right here, is my mother and my father and my grandfather and my grandmother. We struggle in this world to change people because they've got Jesus in their heart but grandfather in their bones. Culture is dominant. 
So here in me, as I'm speaking to you, since me and my wife got married 43 years ago, I'm not sure how much of me remained. <laughs> so I always, when I speak and I say something, I think, who's speaking? Is this Jenny or myself? You know, sometimes I listen and I, I hear Jenny speaking here to you. And you say, thank you, Cassie. You're completely wrong. Thank you, Jenny. You understand. So, so, so that is intimacy. Let, let, let me show this in a few slides. Intimacy, it says, is not a kind of a compromise. It's not a happy medium between distance and closeness. So some people are close and others are further away. You don't gauge intimacy like this. Intimacy is a blending. It's a blending where I don't think. I think with Jenny and thinking with Jenny gives us a third alternative, as Stephen Covey calls. A whole complete different way of thinking. And now relate that to God. So me and God, we are talking and we are discussing and, and then between our discussing, suddenly we find a new way. It's a way of life. And it's unique. Because it's a blending. In my walk with God. Let's get it to the next slide. <clears throat> the next slide says, Love, generally, is that principle which leads one mortal being to desire and delight in another. And watch this. And reaches its highest form in that personal fellowship in which each lives in the life of the other imparting himself or herself to the other this is Jenny and me next slide so what happens here and this is when Jesus says I want to make my home make your home in me just as I do in you can you see that make your home in me I started this year and God said to me, I want to meet you this year in my home. And that's not the church building. That is the space where God dominates when He speaks. And I listen, not talk. Not give my desires and my requests and my prayers. He speaks. So Jenny and myself, we are doing Bible study now in the morning. And since we are doing Bible study together, we used to do it separately and so on. And then we would pray. But you see, if we just prayed and read something and then pray. The, the, all our requests dominate our prayer. When we do Bible study together, then it dominates. The Bible dominates. What is it about? God dominates. So we say, God, look at this. You had the wrath of the nation. You wanted to kill the nation because they were disobedient. Just as you wanted to kill this nation with COVID. Wow, did no one tell you this? But Lord, and this is why we are reading the book of Hosea. Because God says, I want to rip you open as a bear rips open your ribcage. Like a lion, I want to kill you like a leopard. And if you live with God, you have that sense and you move with God and you move with the anger of God. God, why are you so angry? At 48,000 or 50, what is it now? People die in one nation. Why are you so angry? And then you walk with God and He says, I should have killed all of you. Because you deserve it. Because all the sins that you read in Hosea is right there with you. You, you cannot miss one. It is just a double portion in your nation. And you can take any of those books. Amos. Haggai. Any of those books. It's all there. When you walk with God. Then you get angry with God. 
and you fall on your knees and the fear of God grips your heart and say, God, please, God, don't destroy us. Please, God, don't destroy us. And God says to you, why not? Why not? Why are you asking this? Why don't you not want to be destroyed? What is the reason? Is to safeguard yourself. Is life all about you? Is life all about you? And then you want to cry out, yes, Lord, it is. Make it about you. Then God says to you, then you would pray different. Please, God, you cannot destroy us because we are the carriers of hope in this world. The message of Jesus. If you do not have us, the world has got a problem, God. We want to glorify you. Don't take any of those wanting to glorify you away, please, God. Don't take them away. It's about you, God. Change it so that it becomes about you. It was shocking to experience Christians in the time of COVID. To see how, how extremely self-centered they are. How people are concerned about their things. But you don't hear the, the name of God. You don't hear people say, before they die, they must know Jesus. I will run, run around like a crazy mob with a head of chicken, like a head of chicken. I run around to just say, people, listen, people, wake up. Can you all understand the message? The message is, we can't die. Eternity is important. Are you going there? Can I help you to get there? That is when you walk with God. You understand the difference. Because the identity, the future, the calling, the joy, the needs, the pain, the everything of the one lives in the other. You think it was painful for God to see what is happening in this world right now? Extremely painful. Because the heathen nations like France, like Italy, so many people died and went to hell with no one sharing them the gospel was painful and Jesus would say with his father I died for them why did no one tell them why not why not move with God what's the time well time is done I, I gotta come to the last one so let's let's take you to the last one I want to finish with Andrew Murray a life with God John chapter 15. You are in the vine, abide in me, and I will be in you. And uh, I want you to go down on the slides. <laughs> Let's just do this slide. Therefore, brother, sister, Andrew Murray says, he wrote a whole book on abiding him, and he wrote a book like Christ, uh, which contains a lot of that. Therefore, brother, my sister, abide in him. Every believer is in Christ, but not everyone abides in him. In the consciously joyful and trustful surrender of the whole being to his influence. Here I am, God. Not how can we plan the last, the next 10 years of our lives or the last season in our lives so that can free me. No, here am I. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do complete surrender. Whatever you say, we'll do it. You know what abiding in Him is? It is to consent with our whole soul to His being our life. 
to reckon upon Him to inspire us in all that goes to make up life, and then to give up everything most absolutely for Him to rule and work in us. It is the rest of the full assurance that He does each moment work in us what we are to be, and so Himself enable us to maintain that perfect surrender in which He is free to do all His will. Complete surrender to God. If there has ever been a time where we need all of us to again completely surrender to God, it is now. So that tomorrow you will not read the Bible to get something to obey. You will not read the Bible to find a way of making life a better place or to be blessed or to find a mission. You will read the Bible to get to know God's heart. To get to know God's heart. It's different. And you'll spend time with Him and it will never feel like wasting time because you have time with the most precious God so that from the vine through the branches the sap will flow. Just flow. No need to do anything. It will just flow and flow and flow and bear fruit for His glory. Not for you. This is a life with God. God bless you. Let us pray. Father God, we remember the time, some of us, when we got converted, that excitement, that, oh, God is everything. Oh, God, take, take me, do whatever you want. We remember that time, that time of the first love, the first love time. Lord, I pray that today, you will take us in you as you are in us. God in us, us in God. So that the rhythm of your spirit may become the rhythm of our lives. Let us be in you, God, forever and ever. Remembering that one day when we are with you, our biggest thrill, our biggest joy will not be what we do for you. Our biggest joy will be to know you. To know you. To know you. Take us there already now, Lord. Start this journey with us, please. We praise you for who you are in this morning. Amen. Amen. Is that amen and be blessed? Do you want to say bless me to bless you? Or do you want to hear God is with you? I think you need that today. Is that right? God is with you.